believe they'll follow Miss Whitney and return at the end of worship. We're transitioning the young people towards you. <clears throat> They're already there. They're surrounding you. A great cloud of witnesses right there. Excellent. We're going to collect our offering for uh, the evening. I'll ask the uh, gentleman to help on that. Um, as we do need to talk a little bit about uh, next year as we go into some of the realities, I'll uh, be sending you um, a letter kind of detailing some of this so you know uh, and asking you to consider an estimated giving card, uh, which in other churches would be called a pledge card, um, but we're more interested in, in, a, in a guess, I guess. Um, uh, going into next year, we are in an interesting situation uh, because we have, for the last two years, received some support for our ministry. The first year of our ministry, we received around seventy dollars to $80,000 of support. This year, we will have received about $40,000 of support from um, external sources, including uh, the uh, Northern Illinois Conference and uh, Roscoe United Methodist. Next year, we do not expect to receive anything uh, and so to meet a very minimum budget for us, about $120,000, uh, we will need to um, figure out ways to uh, kind of bridge the gap. This year we are expecting your contributions to equal somewhere between seventy dollars to $80,000. Uh, so if we're looking at a, again, minimum, we, we would like a larger budget, but a minimum budget of around $120,000, uh, we're looking at a $40,000 increase for next year. So... Uh, we're going to be talking about giving next week in terms of theologically what it means. want you to be considering, praying about it. If you are giving, uh, if there's any potential for that to increase. If you have not been giving, uh, maybe this would be a great time. Actually, this would be an excellent time uh, to start that practice wherever you are. And we'll talk about that a little bit next week. But I want you to know that's the reality. Um, are, are we scared? Are we terrified? Um, a little bit. Uh, obviously, we, don't, we would like to have um, all kinds of money, so we ha don't have to worry about it. On the other hand, I know in my own life, um, the, the closer it comes in terms of uh, income versus outcome, the more reliant I have been on God and the more God has blessed us in, in, in terms of ministry and in terms of my family. So uh, I'm not too world worried, and we are. The leadership of the church is in, in looking into other ways to... Um, kind of help us through this next year because we do believe that two years is not enough to go from 12 to uh, you know 12 people to a congregation that can support itself full time um, that's that's ridiculous so we are looking for ways to kind of get through this next year which will be daunting uh, but we feel like God is calling us in great directions but uh, we want to make sure that each of you um, are invested in in the best way you can be invested. So can continue to do that. Uh, you guys can take offering because uh, we do need to talk about our um, the more exciting giving, which is our offerings or our missions. Uh, if you have a mug, there's about six mugs out. All of the mugs have been sponsored. Remember, these are mugs that have been filled uh, and, and combined with a gift card to be given to our teachers. If you have mugs out there, Please, if you can return them to me sometime this week, that would be awesome. Um, 
mainly because I would like to get them to the teachers as soon as you can, as soon as we can. So if you have those, uh, are able to uh, bring them back sometime this week, that would be great. Um, they have all been sponsored, so the mugs have all been taken care of, which means we are immediately going into our angel tree mission. And I apologize because that was kind of bad timing on my part. I, I assumed we would be able to have a little time in December to do that. Um, but I, I just went back and looked at the letter and they want the angel tree gifts to be picked up by December 3rd. It's a Tuesday. Um, so Tuesday, December 3rd. So uh, the angel tree gifts, how that's worked. There's 25 tags out there. Uh, each tag has a uh, child's age, gender, ethnicity. I don't really know why, but that's what they have on there. Uh, and then three suggested gifts. Uh, the idea is to um, sponsor a child and to uh, get them a gift worth about $20. Or so if there's a couple little gifts or if there's a, a big gift, however that works. The idea is that these children, uh, many of them, um, uh, they're all foster children, but many of them uh, will not be receiving a lot of presents. They do not have families who are connected to them. And many of them are in foster situations where their foster families do not have uh, a lot of resources. Um, I mean, you, you can assume that Jennifer and I will um, give our children <laughs> presents this year. Um, but um, th there are a lot of families that can't, and a lot of foster family families, foster family foster families. That's a confusing thing. Family members who have taken in their foster children uh, and who were already uh, strapped for income. So uh, this is a, a way to make sure these children are appreciated, are loved, um, and, and for $20, not, not, a, not a really a, a big, um, uh, big deal. So go out, you get the tag, you go buy a gift, you wrap it, you bring it back. That's how it needs to be here by uh, the 3rd of December. When you take a tag, it has a number on it, 1 through 25. Make sure you write your name down by the number of the tag you took. So if you take 8, write your name 8. Penny, if you take eight, just using you as an example, you would, write, you would write penny under the line eight. Don't write it under one, under eight. So penny's got eight. <laughs> 24 to go. I, I, if I just guilt, guilt you guys, then you'll take them. Uh, yes, so, but make sure, make sure you do write your name down to the appropriate tag so that we know who has which tags, because we want to make sure um, that all of these kids receive something and, and no kids are left um, out of, of this opportunity. So exciting things to be able to do that, to be able to honor our teachers, to be able to just uh, show uh, love to these uh, foster children, encourage you to uh, get involved in those uh, ministries. So let's uh, come together in a time of prayer, just inviting God into our lives as we start to delve into the Word. Lord, we invite you into this place, into this time, into this moment. As we look into the practice of presence, as we look into your word, we ask that you just open our hearts. Help us hear in a new way. Help us uh, feel in a new way. Help us experience your message in a new way, wherever it's calling us. Help us mostly see where you are in our lives, how we can grow closer to you, closer to one another, through your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we are focusing on the treasures of the transformed life based on uh, the book by the same name by John Ed Mathis. Jesus offers us this living water. And what we need to find out, what we are looking at, is ways to connect to Christ, to be um, 
uh, to receive this water. And we know that commitment primes the pump, that we need to be committed in our relationship. Last week, we talked about prayer, which is communication. This week, we're going to talk about the importance of being present. And I promised, because I said it in the newsletter, that I would not make any more present jokes. So no present jokes today. If you want to learn more, then you'll go to the newsletter and, and see all my bad puns. Now, some of you know that I went to uh, Garrett Evangelical Theological Seminary on Northwestern Campus up in Evanston, Illinois. And I have been a Wildcat fan since I was a young boy. I, uh, I bleed purple and white, and I uh, am happy to have gone to the seminary on Northwestern Campus. Recently, I was talking to a friend who also was an alumni of uh, Northwestern and also a great cat football fan, and he said even though he had season tickets at Ryan Field, he said, I am giving up my tickets and I'm never going to Ryan Field again. And this is the reasons that he gave me. The band is always playing songs I haven't heard before. I can stay home and watch the game on television. I played in junior high and I disagree with the way they coach now. My parents made me go to games when I was a child. I'm going to let my kids decide for themselves. They're always asking you for money when you go to the stadium. Sometimes you have to stay late because the game goes into overtime. There might be someone at the game who's wearing the same thing as I am. That's a, that's a big issue. If you've, ever, if you've ever been, Ryan Field. I'm not going because it's too hot or because it's too cold. People at the game are unfriendly and don't speak to me when I go. And finally, he said, they just keep changing things. They change the uniforms, and they are coming out with brand new uniforms this week. Any other Northwestern fans? No, okay. The stadium, the plays, the coaches, I just don't like change, so I'm not going to go anymore. Now, in the context of college football or just regular football, that seems pretty silly, but each of those reasons were reasons people have given for stopping uh, church attendance, reasons people have given to stop going to church, some of us probably included in some of those reasons. So those were pretty lame reasons, but before we go into why we need to be present and how we can be present, we really do need to look at a couple of the major things, roadblocks if you will, that keep us from being truly present in the congregation. The first roadblock to being truly present is busyness. We are all so busy. I can't um, speak for anyone else, but I don't remember a time in my life when I wasn't busy. Now, I assume when I was five or six, I wasn't very busy, but I don't know. My parents would say, yeah, you were real busy, but a different type of busyness, yes. But I do know, going back to high school, that I was involved, of course, in my uh, normal academic uh, pursuits, but I was also greatly involved in community outreach and greatly involved in my church. I was in band and choir and jazz choir and drama and debate and musicals and president of SAD, and I had a full-time job, and I was pretty busy. Now, when I got to college, it didn't change. I had four hours of class each day, Monday through Friday. I had four hours of music each day, Monday through Friday, because I went to school on a music scholarship. I had a job as a librarian all through college. I had a lot of friends, and I was involved in a large club, uh, kind of like a fraternity. We didn't have fraternities or sororities. And I had about four hours of club activity 
every single night. So I was very busy. Now, when I went to seminary, I worked full-time at the church and also went to school full-time, driving back and forth four days a week between Maple Park or Ottawa and Evanston, and I worked about 80-hour weeks. Now that I have been involved in starting a new church and have been married and have two foster children with some special needs, my schedule hasn't gotten any lighter. But in each of those times in my life, in each of those spots in my life, and even now, I have always found time to waste time. I've always found ways to just blow some time. And so when we say we're too busy, what we're saying is, I'm not making God a priority. I'm not making my relationship with God a priority. Because if it was a priority you would find time. Because the things that are priorities in your life, you find time for. So make God a priority. Now the second roadblock is a painful one, and that's being hurt. When I went hurt, not heard, hurt, excuse me, or excuse my throat, I should say. Now I was hurt in the church or by the church in college, and I stepped away, and I think many of us probably have a similar story. We were hurt by our congregation hurt by a pastor, hurt by um, someone who was religious in our lives. And so we moved away, and a lot of people do that. We do that because it's hard to be hurt, and when we're hurt, it just seems better to leave than to deal with the confrontation. But here's the truth, and it's something that, even though I, I really haven't ever watched Dr. Phil, I know it's something that he often says in his um, counseling or, or whatever you call what Dr. Phil does. It's not about you. Church is not about you. Church is a time or church is um, uh, a place where we come to respect and honor God and respect and honor one another. And the truth is, we will inevitably hurt each other. We will inevitably hurt for each other. Now, in my relationship with my wife, I wish I could say that I didn't hurt her, but on a, on a weekly basis, I tend to hurt her in some way. Yeah, I, I'll call him and check. I could read several of his books and find out. I'm human, and I tend to be human from time to time. And I look for forgiveness and reconciliation. And thankfully, Jennifer's never given up on me. And I haven't given up on her. And so I look to make things right and grow stronger in our relationship and do that less and less. So I believe in church we will hurt each other just because we're human. It may not even be on purpose. It may just be something silly that we do. But this is a place of forgiveness and reconciliation. We can be hurt, but we cannot let the hurt move us away. We have to let the hurt move into reconciliation, move into positive growth in Christ and one another. Now, the third one, it's a pet peeve of mine, and that is the roadblock that says, well, my needs aren't being met, or even worse, I'm not being fed. Well, only babies feed themselves. And again, as Dr. Phil would say, what would Dr. Phil say? It's not about you. It's about the community. It's about other 
people, and it's about the needs of others. And I believe that, yes, we can be called to different places at different times in our lives, and we certainly are. But I also believe that we need to be people who can worship in any situation, who can find sustenance in any situation, because you're not getting sustenance from me or from the band or from each other. You're getting sustenance from the living water Christ is offering you. And as long as there's a couple of us together, that living water can flow. So as we grow, we need to become servants in all that we do. We need to serve each other and not worry about our needs, but worry about the needs of our community. And you know what? Something funny happens when you start focusing on the needs of others. Your needs, your real needs, start to get met. The real needs that God knows we need. Now, the final roadblock is thinking we can be religious, spiritual, and ultimately Christian by ourselves. Now, you can be privately religious. Religion, after all, is just kind of a set of activities. And you can be privately spiritual because we all are, in fact, flesh and spirit. But you cannot be Christian in isolation. You cannot be Christian by yourself. You did not learn about Christ by yourself or in isolation. You cannot follow Christ in isolation. And you certainly cannot bring other people to Christ in isolation. The entirety of our religion is based on a community of believers, not one individual. Christianity is a team sport. And if the team is going to succeed, we all have to be present. So why does presence matter. We, we make up a lot of excuses for why we can't be present. Why should we be present? Why should we be involved in the life of the church? Well, let's look to something the Apostle Paul said. If you have your Bibles or Bible apps out, you can get them out to Romans 12. Again, the book of Romans is a great, great, uh, just rich uh, letter for us to learn from. Chapter 12, and I'm just going to look at verses 1 through 5. I think they're on the screen as well. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercy, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, I can say to each of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought. Instead, be reasonable, since God has measured out a portion of faith to each of you. We have many parts, but one body. But the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ. And individually, we belong to one another. Our presence is important because it is a sign of our commitment and our relationship to God. Every week when we come together in worship, when we come together as a congregation, we are presenting ourselves as living sacrifices. That is the, that's the old language uh, in the CEV. It says appropriate priestly service, very similar language there. Holy and pleasing to God. You make time for the people in your life. When we come to worship, when we are present we are making time for God. 
Yes, we need to communicate, that's prayer, but you also have to be present to communicate. That's why so many people don't communicate because they're never in the room together. You make time for your spouses, your children, your friends, and all those who you disciple and all those who disciple you. Your presence here tonight in corporate worship is making time for God and your relationship with Christ. Now, our presence doesn't only honor God, but it renews and transforms us. When you are here and truly present, which we'll talk about in a moment, your mind and spirit can be refreshed, regenerated, and renewed. There are a lot of things in the course of a week that bring us down. A lot of things that can kind of take our spiritual wellness and just kind of squish them down into an unhealthy way. But worship can lift us up and ultimately it can transform us. We are becoming more like Christ every day and being present is part of that transformation process. Finally, our presence affects other people. Each of us has gifts and graces. Each of us have been given those gifts and graces by God. Individually, we are broken, weak pieces that don't seem to do a whole lot. But together, we are one body. We're stronger and we can do much more than we can do alone. The reality is when you are not here, when you are not present, you are denying someone else your gifts, your graces. You're denying someone else you. Think about it like this, the the analogy of the body that Paul uses often, especially in the book of Romans, and he used in this passage. If any of your body parts were missing, even something little like a pinky toe, you would notice. You would be a little uh, less or a little weaker than you were whole. So when the smallest part of us, regardless, we've all been given faith according to what God has given us. But when any one of us are gone, we're missing out and we're at a loss. So that brings us how should we be present? How do we be present? Now we need to be physically, emotionally, and spiritually present every time we get together. Now that sounds like a lot of work. It's not really. And I know that can't always happen. We have a lot going on and sometimes we're not going to be present. Sometimes we're, we're, we can't physically be here. Sometimes we're just not in an emotional place. Sometimes we're struggling spiritually. But that doesn't mean we can't be here and that we can't try to be present. Now, obviously, the first step is to be physically present. You can't be emotionally or spiritually present if you're not physically here. If you are not part of the community, and, and, and I, I just want to have a caveat here, for all those listening online and all those listening to our podcast, I hope that everyone who listens to us online, everyone who hears us, feels part of our community. I hope they know that we are praying for them. I hope they know that we uh, want to engage them in whatever way, and I hope they benefit from this time every week that they take to grow their relationship with God. But to get the full potency of the body of Christ, you have to be part of the body. You have to be present. You have to physically be here, not just on on Saturday night, but throughout the week in each other's lives. So I encourage you, as you're talking about a financial commitment next year, I ask you and your family 
to make a presence commitment next year. Sit, sit down and say, how many Saturdays will we be here in 2014? Make that a commitment to God. Because when we are all here, we are strong. And when you are gone, we miss you. And we're missing out on what you have to bring. Now, I want to hear something else from Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verses 14, or 12 through 14. It's there on the screen again. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other and... This is important. If someone has a complaint against them or anyone, forgive each other. Because the Lord forgave you. So also forgive each other. And over all of these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. I just want that to sink in for a second. That's a powerful two verses. My deepest prayer for new life is that we are the type of community, the type of family, the type of church where people can be themselves. All too often we have grown up and we have um, created an atmosphere where we put on our best face when we come to church. And it's not just church, it's everywhere. We put on our best face when we're at work, when we're with our friends, even when we're with our family. But we need to be emotionally present when we come together. We need to be true to who we are. We need to be honest about our joy, our pain, our struggles, and our hope. We need to be emotionally present ourselves, and we need to be emotionally present for one another. If you're having a mountaintop experience, I don't know if you're familiar with that terminology, but if you feel like you're on top of the world and you are so close to God this night, tonight. There's someone who is having a valley experience who feels like they're all alone in darkness, in a hole, and far away from God. And that's why we need to be present in each other's lives. Because we need to walk with the people going through mountaintop experiences. And we need to walk with the people going through valley experiences. And we need to walk with the people who have been stuck on the plane for several years. I'm not sure what's better. We want to be on that mountaintop. If you experience God in great ways, you need to share it. If you don't experience God at all, you need to share that. When we are emotionally present together, we walk together, we live life together, and we grow together. But there's something else, another type of presence. We have to be spiritually present. Paul says, above all things, put on love, the perfect bond of unity. God is love. We read that throughout the Gospel of John and the letters of John. And that love is present in each one of our lives. It's present in each of you here Tonight, And if we bring that glorious love, the grace that God has given us here, if we're all present, that love overflows not just into each other's lives, but into the life of our community, 
and eventually into the world. So commitment is prayers. Commitment is presence. Commit to being present weekly in the activities of our congregation and the lives of one another. Encourage you to make sure that you are spending time with one another beyond Saturday night. And so I want to leave you with one last illustration. The church is like a uh, puzzle. And I apologize for those listening online. I'll try to describe this as best as possible. I, I've made a puzzle. Jeff asked if, if I made this. Yes, I did. Jennifer and I put this together. We like to make puzzles. And on the puzzle here, I have a beautiful picture of Calvary with three empty crosses on the sunset on our Good Friday, the day we celebrate that Christ died. And you'll see that although most of the pieces, about 95%, are there, there are some pieces missing. And it may not look like the missing pieces take much away from the picture. But the thing with presence, the thing with each of you and you being present or you being gone, is when we truly get together, when we were all truly present, when we are all here, something starts to happen. And the picture becomes a little bit clearer. And just like this picture of Calvary, with the missing pieces making the face of Christ, when we are all here, we can experience Christ in each other. We can see the face of God, and we can be transformed. Amen. Encourage you to stay afterwards, even if you didn't bring food. You are more than welcome to uh, stay at Taste of New Life, our fellowship opportunity, opportunity to eat. The event that was going on here today, Shannon Soldiers, they left some great desserts for us. So at very least, there is a myriad and multitude of dessert-type foods. So load up on sugar, don't tell my nutritionist, and you can go home. So let us pray now as we uh, enter into the final part of our worship experience, our forwarding time and our time of praise. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be present. We thank you no matter how we were feeling this week, no matter where we were, that we got up, got dressed, and showed up. We ask now that you let that bond, that love, that flows from your heart to ours just explode in these next moments through our praise and through our fellowship that those who are in the valley may be lifted up, that those who are in the mountain may shine for everyone else to see. We ask that this love brings us together. And for this we pray. We pray for those who aren't here, who are not present our family members who uh, are off on vacation, who are away for many different reasons. 
we know we are a little weaker because of their absence, but we ask that you help the love that we experience tonight flow into them wherever they are. We are still connected by your love. We are still bonded together because of it. Help them experience wherever they are in this moment a renewed sense of that love. The love of Christ which has forgiven us and transformed us. Lord, we ask that you be with all of those who need that love, who aren't part of our family. We ask that you help us, your hands and feet, help us share your story. Help us be followers who make followers every day of our lives. Most of all, Lord, we just ask that you be with our ministry. We have experienced wonderful things. Continue to bless us. Continue to keep us safe from the things of this world that try to bring us down. Safe from the enemy at our gates. Safe from conflict. Don't keep us from it, but help us thrive because of it. Help us share in each other's pain. Help us forgive each other when we've been hurt. Most of all, help us grow closer to you through your Son, Jesus Christ, every day. We pray these things. Amen.